0: Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. This is Peter Lewis welcoming you to my podcast, Money Talk, for Monday the 10th of July. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. Thank you for making this podcast one of the most listened to financial podcasts in Hong Kong. In today's business and finance headlines, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said competition between the world's biggest economies is not a winner-take-all situation and called for both sides to manage their rivalry with a fair set of rules. But she said she was also concerned about new export controls recently announced by China on two critical minerals used in semiconductors, saying the U.S. was still evaluating the impact of these actions. Chinese financial regulators have fined Ant Group 7.1 billion renminbi that's 983 million US dollars for financial violations but concluding a government-led restructuring for the fintech group almost three years after its 37 billion dollar IPO was called off. On Saturday Ant Group launched a share buyback plan that values the fintech giant at nearly 70% below its proposed IPO price in 2020. Jobs growth in the US slowed more than expected in June and was revised lower for the previous two months in a sign the Federal Reserve's aggressive interest rate rises are beginning to cool the labour market. However, a fall in the unemployment rate and higher than expected wage growth highlighted the resilience in the jobs market. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority on Friday relaxed mortgage rules for some properties for the first time since 2009 to make them more affordable. Effective immediately, homes valued at up to 15 million Hong Kong dollars for the owner’s own use will be eligible for up to 70% mortgage financing, while those valued between 15 million and 30 million are entitled to 60% loans. But financial secretary Paul Chan said that the government is not considering relaxing cooling measures such as the special stamp duty. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and Simon Cavender, Partner at BDA Partners, providing a view for mainland China, will be Shanghai-based independent economist Andy Scher. If you want to get in touch, please go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Peter Lewis, Peter Lewis is Money
1: Talk.
0: Stocks were choppy on Friday in the fallout from the largely solid non-farm payrolls report, with earlier gains in the S&P 500 and Nasdaq Composites petering out in the afternoon and leaving the two indices lower for the week. The S&P 500 lost a third of a percent to end at 4,399, notching a three-day losing streak. The Nasdaq Composite dipped 0.1% to close at 13,661. The Dow dropped 187 points or 0.6%, and that took it to 33,735. The Nasdaq led on the week, managing to get back to break-even at one stage Friday before the late-day profit-taking left it down 0.9% over the holiday-shortened week. The Dow lagged on the week, losing 2%. The S&P 500 fell 1.2% over the same period. The CBOE volatility index, the VIX, was up over 9% last week. That's its first weekly rise since May. And Alibaba added 3.4% in New York after its affiliate company Ants Group was fined $984 million by Chinese regulators, but signalling an end to lengthy government-led restructuring for Ants. Treasury yields were all higher on the week, with the most notable feature being the Friday reversal in the short end. The two-year yield ended five basis points higher of the week, but it fell back below 5% to 4.95% Friday after reaching 5.12% on Thursday. That's its, that's its highest level since 2007. The 10-year yield jumped 23 basis points higher over the week to 4.07% and that led to a pronounced steepening of the yield curve with the 2-10 to year steepening to minus 88 basis points after inverting to a record minus 110 basis points earlier in the week. Hong Kong stocks hit a five-week low. The Hang Seng Index fell 167 points, or 0.9%, to 18,366. For the week, it lost almost 3%. In mainland China, the Shanghai Composite fell 0.3% to 3,197. The Hang Seng Mainland Bank Index declined 1.2%, edging towards its lowest point since November 2022. The sub-index lost 10.5% last week, after Goldman Sachs lowered its rating for Agricultural Bank of China, ICBC and Industrial Bank to sell, citing investor concerns. Over the bank's exposure to local government debt, ICBC, ABC and Construction Bank tumbled by between 7.5% to 13.6% over the week their worst five-day loss in at least 12 months. A newspaper owned by the Chinese Communist Party, the Security Times, pushed back against the Goldman Report, saying in a front-page editorial that pessimism towards China's banking industry shouldn't be encouraged and is largely a misinterpretation. You can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter, which you'll find at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk.
1: Peter Lewis's
0: Money Talk. On this Monday morning, let's welcome our guests. We have with us Alex Wong, Director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management. Morning to you, Alex. Morning, Peter. And also joining us, Simon Cavender, who is partner at BDA Partners. Welcome, Simon. Morning, Peter. Um, Let's start with Janet Yellen's uh, visit. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said competition between the world's biggest economies is not a winner-take-all situation. And she called for both sides to manage their rivalry with a fair set of rules. She made her comments Friday in a meeting with Premier Li Li Chang during her four-day visit to Beijing with the goal of finding areas of common economic ground and rebuilding bridges between the world's two biggest economies. Miss Yellen said that in her meeting with the Chinese government, she made clear that actions we take to protect our national security are designed to be narrowly targeted. They're not premised on straightforward national. Se- uh, they're premised on straightforward national security considerations and not undertaken to gain economic over chi- economic advantage over China. She said. And the U.S. Treasury Secretary told Premier Li, we seek healthy economic competition that's not winner-take-all, but with a fair set of rules that can benefit both countries over time. And she said the U.S. seeks to diversify rather than decouple from China. So, Alex, this long-awaited
2: visit, um, was it a success? Uh, I think uh, it's difficult to call. I think the market actually would still be sceptical about uh, the uh, China and U.S. relationships uh, because I think... uh, I think in the U.S., the sentiment towards China is still quite negative and and still sees China as a threat. So I think uh, people probably would not um, view um, this progress uh, as... There's a very big progress, I think. and But uh, the, recent, uh, cens- uh, the recent restrictions on exports on, on China where earth actually I think would play an important part. And I think uh, people would probably uh, may think that, that would uh, help to um, ease some um, tension because I think China actually is uh, quite quite strong in uh, where earth uh, resources. So I think uh, that probably would make uh, the Western world uh, taking a, a step back.
0: You said, Alex, last week, and in fact the week before on this yep. show, you said you need to see two things happen before Chinese equities can rebound. One of those things was an improvement in the geopolitical situation and an easing of tensions between the US and China. Is this it? Is this enough? Is this going to be the catalyst for Chinese equity markets
2: to rebound? I think uh, this is not enough. But uh, another thing actually is happening. I think that the, 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 the end financial thing actually is helping. So okay. uh, probably we would have some momentum. Actually, today would be quite crucial because uh, first of all we have uh, a uh, probably a supporter uh, in Yemen be uh, emerging, and then we probably uh, would expect the government to to take a take a step back in uh, controlling those uh, tri- private enterprises. So I think that, that would probably would help. Uh, market is too skeptical. I think the rebound on Friday nights actually is not strong enough. Probably is propelled by uh, short covering mainly. But uh, the development today actually would be crucial. So I think uh, we need to see whether uh, it will develop into a sustained uh, recovery in Chinese equities.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to talk more with you in a moment yeah. about this answer fine and uh, and the, what that means for, for investors. But Simon, let me ask you, that the Biden administration has been trying to demonstrate that its China policy isn't just a, a continuation of the Trump administration's sort of open hostility to Beijing. So did Janet Yellen succeed in, in that mission, do you think? in sort of at least rebuilding some relationships? I
3: think she did partly. And But what you've got is essentially two streams going on. There are the economists and sort of on Yellen's side and they want to work together. And there's a recognition that essentially the two economies are incredibly interlinked and interdependent. And then there's the political side, um, which is more blinking geopolitics. And that still remains very negative. And unfortunately, I think the geopolitics will overshadow any progress that they make on the economic front. But what you've got at the moment, China's really fundamentally, particularly in comparison to the U.S., very weak economically at this point in time. And, I mean, it doesn't actually benefit the U.S. to to really sort of deteriorate um, that situation any further. I mean, they actually need a a fairly, uh, I suppose, strong but functioning Chinese economy um, working well. Um, They can differ on various areas, and yes, there'll still be those sort of national security concerns over semiconductor, and there'll be a bit of tit-for-tat relationships, but I mean, the the Chinese economy is weak. Um, The two economies are still very linked, and I think Janet Yellen's trip is to try and make sure that there's a dialogue and there's at least an understanding, um, even if they don't always see eye to eye. And I think from that point of view, it helped, but it's not going to... Change the overall fundamental relationship.
0: Mm, I mean, you say the politics is going to ultimately trump the economics because there is still these big areas of disagreement, aren't they, that haven't been resolved? But presumably, we shouldn't underestimate either these new lines of communication that are, are now open on the economic uh, on the economic front, and particularly as China seems to see Janet Yellen as perhaps the more pragmatic of the uh, of the the people in the Biden administration.
3: Fully agree, and I mean, communication is really key to everything, whether it's on the military side, on the politics or in the economy. The more they talk, the more they understand each other and their their positions, even if they choose to differ, um, then that will only be a positive.
0: Let me ask you both, um, the, the Do you buy the arguments that the U.S. is advancing here, which is that diversifying supply chains is not the same as decoupling? She went to great lengths to try and say the two are different. Um, And she was basically saying it's a sensible response to what we saw during the pandemic for countries now not to rely on a single country for its supply chains, needs to diversify, but that doesn't mean we're decoupling. Do you you buy that argument? That's the one they're trying to make, I think, isn't it?
3: I I think it's a bit of spin. To some extent, when it's a result of the U.S. realizing that it's overly reliant on China and China perhaps is not politically going in the direction that the U.S. um, would like and therefore they need to diversify. So it's been calling it um, not decoupling, but diversification. Um, But it's, it's
0: to some extent perfectly logical. Mm. what what do you think alex So, did you buy into this argument that you know ultimately you know countries not just the u s but they do need to diversify supply chains but that 's not the same as disengaging from each other yeah
2: i think that that argument actually makes sense and logical so uh you cannot say uh, this is wrong, but i think uh the it is depends on the cost and and the magnitude and the and the cost benefits analysis and so um Probably they, 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 they are not only basing on the economic uh, decisions. But anyway, I think uh, the diversification actually makes sense.
0: And what about the second argument that uh, the U.S. is trying to make when it talks about these sanctions that it's imposing on Chinese companies? It says these U.S. sanctions are very narrowly targeted on areas that only affect national security, and it's not about trying to hold back China's economic growth. Do, do you believe that? Is it, are these narrowly targeted sanctions?
3: I, no, I I don't really feel that they're narrowly targeted. I mean, they're all technology-based, but I think the U.S. goal is to slow down the development of China on the technology side, whether Hmm. it's semiconductor or elsewhere. And, I mean, China will catch up eventually. Um, It's just a case of how much lead time the U.S. can give itself um, and will it develop new technologies by the time China's actually developed internally um, the old things. So... But I mean, again, it's not entirely un- unsurprising or unfair. I mean, there's always economic um, competition um, between large uh, companies, whether it's or uh, countries, whether it's the U.S. and China or previously U.S. and Japan. Um, so it's not entirely surprising. But I don't, I don't think it's fair to say this is a
0: very narrow um, competition. The, the thing that undercuts their argument is that there's there's a very large number of Chinese companies that are on the U.S. entities list now and have sanctions against them of some sort. I heard that nearly every single Chinese company in the semiconductor space now has some sort of sanctions on it. So it it sort of doesn't sound narrowly targeted when you when you look at the evidence, does it?
3: Yeah. And I think Biden's now also got on his desk a new bill to limit investment into China by U.S. companies. And I think Mm. that'll be fairly broad as well. And it'll just contribute to the
0: deterioration on the investment um, relationship. Mm. Alex, do, do you buy this arguments? These are narrowly targeted sanctions only related to national security?
2: Even though probably this is narrowly uh, targeted, but I, this is targeted at the critical part, I think. So uh, this is uh, a very precisely targeted uh, areas, and this is very critical for Chinese development in technology. So I think it still hurts a lot. So, um, uh, so this is still bad for china
0: and, and presumably it 's going to get worse because there's other restrictions being looked at, like you know access to cloud uh computing controls on investments into china so
2: it, it looks like it's going to get worse before it gets better i think uh, you need to see whether the, china, the countermeasures by china uh, would, would, would would have uh effects because of china um uh, restrictions on where oil f- actually probably would help. I think uh, the, the Western world actually uh, would need to see whether it would have be impacted a lot by these restrictions.
0: Do you think this metals ban on these two uh, metals, rare earth metals, germanium, uh, gallium, that they're used in semiconductors, is that going to have a, a, a big impact?
2: I think that it could keep some bargaining power on the Chinese part. So uh, we need to see uh, how the Western world will react. I think this is quite critical. mm what, what
0: do you think, Simon? I mean, it, it certainly shows, doesn't it, how these raw materials now are becoming sort of strategic in global markets. They're, they're really now at the center of, of policy actions, these metals that no one had even heard of until a week ago.
3: Well, these rare earths have been an issue for a number of years. And ironically, they're not actually that rare. They're just incredibly in minute quantities um, yeah. where they're found. And so it's in very resource intensive and environmentally unfriendly to actually mine them and extract them, which is why primarily it's been done in China. Um, I mean, these some of these metals, they do exist in the US, but it's you're just not going to get the environmental approvals to um, do some of the mining practices that are required and some of the waste products that are generated. Um, I think it's, as, I mean, as Alex says, this is leverage. So where gallium and geranium uh, go, those products, some of them will need to end up back in China. So... Mm. Um, and, I mean, yes, they're putting restrictions, and maybe it's primarily directed at the U.S., but a lot of European countries um, use these as well, and they go into EV vehicles, which are obviously in great demand in China too. So, um, again, you've got the sort of global economic environments, and everyone's still quite interconnected, and products and raw materials move back and forth. Um, so it's really leverage.
0: Mm. I mean, its uh, gallium prices jumped 27% last week. So this is a double-edged sword for China, isn't it? Because if it drives up the prices of of these, um, all that's going to happen is other countries, it becomes more economical for them to to go and mine this and and, and produce it. And and as you say, there are other sources of, of these metals.
3: Yeah, and what you'll find is middlemen will start to come in. So while China may be restricting some exports to the US, because really what they're putting in place is a sort of licensing regime for these exports um, Um. of these existing products so that they know where they're going. And fine, they may restrict it to the US, but it can go to Southeast Asia and maybe then get re-exported to Europe and then end up in the US that way. Um,
0: So people will find a way, but it'll make things more expensive. OK, well, let's go to turn our attention to Ant Group, China, China's financial regulators have fined Ant Group 7.1 million renminbi. That's almost a billion US dollars, 983 million dollars for financial regulations. But they've indicated this concludes a government led restructuring for the fintech group almost three years after it started and its, init- and its IPO was called off. China's central banks and security regulator said in a statement on Friday that Ant had corrected most of its significant issues and was now entering a period of normalized regulation. And then on Saturday, following the news of the fine, Ant Group launched a share buyback plan that values the fintech giants at nearly 70 percent below its proposed IPO price in 2020. It's going to repurchase up to six billion U.S. dollars in shares, which is about seven and a half percent of its equity inter- interest. So, Alex. That brings us back to last week, the second thing that you said you Mm. wanted to see um, before you would reconsider going back uh, into Chinese equities um, was a change of attitude towards China's private companies and more signs that they were going to be supported and uh, encouraged by Beijing. Is this it? Is is this what you've been waiting for?
2: I think this is a a step in the right direction. But I think uh, the market may not uh, conclude this is uh, the, um, the sufficient steps. I think uh, first of all, I think uh, the, the buyback proposal actually um, is not encouraging because uh, I think Alibaba taking uh, part in that buyback uh, is a negative sign. Uh, so um, and what, why is that? Why is that a negative? I think because uh, 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 Alibaba is taking that valuation and 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 exited some of its interest in 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 Ant, so uh, that means uh, they they and and actually I think um, Alibaba actually has strong cash flow and and I think people would like Alibaba to um, take part in in Ant. So um, this is a, a, a bad steps for the markets, bad side for the market. I think so. Probably the 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 the. The, the impact may be um, minimized by this one, by, by limited by this one. So um, anyway, I think uh, the 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 market probably may not still uh, convince that uh, the control on private enterprises uh, would be um, would be like the the what happened a decade ago. So I think uh, we probably would still be a bit concerned. But this is a right step, and we probably will see short covering to take part, and and we probably may see some momentum in Chinese shares. But we need to see whether the market is convinced and and, and we have uh, further momentum. First of all, I think, uh, uh, and then second of all, I think uh, the last week high uh, section uh, in Chinese consumer names actually is very bad. So I think that this is also another part of concern.
0: So it sounds like from what you're saying, on, on those two issues that you wanted to see some strong signals for, this is... Encouraging, but I think you're saying it's not enough, is yeah, it? Yeah, this, this is
2: encouraging, but not enough. I think uh, the market probably was would, would be uh, a little bit skeptical as as well, uh, uh, right now. Mm. So, what are your
0: thoughts on this? Uh, the regulators signalling that this is the end of the the crackdown, and they're also saying the same for Tencent um, as well because they got a fine uh, for. Uh, for their payment uh, group, Tempeh. Do you think uh, the regulatory crackdown is now over and China's ready to start being more positive and supportive of its private companies?
3: No, unfortunately, I don't. I think this is really the start of the new era, and it's just a reminder of how stringent and uh, sort of how much scrutiny these companies are now under from a regulatory point of view. And, I mean, you look... Um, And it's lost $200 billion in value because of this
2: regulatory Mm.
3: review compared to where it was a few years ago. And, I mean, that's that's value that's disappeared, and it's a new regulatory environment. And I don't see much on sort of positive um, for the Chinese private sector um, in the next few years based on... um, the current environment.
0: I suppose the worry is also what comes next, because we've seen some of these things come completely out of the blue, haven't they? Like, for example, this crackdown on consultancy firms. It sort of suddenly came from Beijing, and I suppose investors' worries, is it that something else might come up? Even if it's not the tech side anymore, there could always be something else that affects private uh, companies or foreign companies.
3: I I think the consulting firms were slightly different. That was more a dressed up as a sort of national security concern, foreign investment, um, putting a hindrance on that. The Tencent, Alibaba, and all those reviews, that's really Beijing looking to curb um, any undue influence that individual companies have um, and making sure that the government is very much firmly in control of all aspects of the economy. And that, I think, will ultimately be, I mean, that's really China's biggest problem at the moment in terms of how do they stimulate the economy when they are trying to micromanage everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Alex, as Simon was mentioning, this we've finally got a price tag now, really, haven't we, on, on what this regulatory crackdown has has cost. In the case of Ant Group, over $220 billion, 70% of its valuation. I mean, it's just a huge, huge cost, isn't it, this three years of investigation. Do you, do you think Alibaba could get back um, anything to where, not in terms of valuation, but in just in terms of its business and what it's able to do? Can it get back to where it was before, or is it now a totally different company?
2: I think it, it will not, I think. First of all, the valuation would not be bad. Would not be back to where it was because I think, uh, as Simon pointed out, uh, people don't like the uh, restrictions or or the concern of the Chinese government on the big private enterprises. On, on data park and, and on, on the economic influence. So probably they would be limited by this one. And then for earnings, I think uh, uh, right now, the, the, the its car business actually is uh, challenged by those telecom companies and which would be helped by uh, the Chinese government because uh, they probably want to have uh, the control on data. So uh, car business actually probably would be tilted towards uh, those uh, telecom companies. And then for e-commerce, I think the market actually uh, is much more competitive. So uh, I think uh, it would be um, very difficult to, uh, for Alibaba to get back to its uh, highest, uh, uh, to to, to, be, to the best days.
0: I, I suppose even if this regulatory crackdown has come to an end, the environment now is very different, isn't it, for tech firms? Because you've got these all these new rules about data protection and, and competition. I presume yeah. It's going to be difficult for Ant or any other firm, for that matter, to thrive in that type of environment.
2: Yeah, because for, for Ant, uh, before the, the crackdown, it is uh, uh, expanding the leverage of the Chinese societies. So I think that that's why the government does not like it, because it is uh, uh, making the, the economy more vulnerable, actually. Mm. So I think that's why uh, this is a target of the crackdown. Simon, so, mean,
0: you mentioned um, the the economy. Obviously, that's the big um, issue. Everyone seems to be waiting for some form of um, stimulus to to come. We haven't seen it. Um, so far but the government sort of keeps holding out hope that something might be coming down the pipe uh, sort of fairly soon the next key meeting if you like is the politburo that uh, that meets later this month that maybe could give some more specifics on what these uh, stimulus measures could be but what does the economy need because it looks like the 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 property sector is really in this prolonged slump at the moment isn't it so so what can be done to help the economy i mean mean
3: I'm not entirely sure. I mean, they've got very few monetary levers available to them. The interest rates are very low. They've got a very high underlying um, debt, um, both centrally and also at local government levels. Um, They're not going to be able to sort of do an infrastructure spend um, to get themselves out of this. And what they really need to do is encourage domestic consumption. Um, all the savings that people uh, squirreled away during COVID, um, during the lockdowns and changing people's overall sentiment. So that money is spent and perhaps on consumer products coming up with a little more innovation so that people have something new to spend their money on with um, domestic tourism and services, again, a little more flexibility and freedom, but my concerns there is because um the central government takes such a tight control over where investment is directed and where it sort of takes place and the companies are not free to make their own decisions really and everyone's looking over their shoulder wondering whether their decisions are going to be sort of approved or sanctioned or or sort of frowned upon um i think china and beijing's got a really quite a difficult uh proposition on their hands, which is why, going back to sort of Janet Yellen's visit, I think they are more open now than they were perhaps 12 months ago to sort of a more open economic dialogue with the US, because
0: China really does need some help. Mm. Alex, you, well, we're going to get the, the first half economic data in about 10 days, GDP and all the usual activity data. If it comes out bad, do you think this is what could prompt the policymakers to, to really come up with some
2: real support measures, get out the big bazooka? Well, I think the, the support measures actually are quite limited and the old tricks actually won't work. I think uh, if you do uh, some more government spending, actually, market will not like it because China actually is already quite advanced in uh, infrastructure and don't need too much uh, 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 investment in those areas. And the housing market actually would be quite difficult. And fact, I think also the aging populations and the behavior of the Chinese people actually is, is still quite unfavorable for business. Uh, because uh, they, they actually spend, spend not enough, and then also um, the birth rate and marriage rates actually are declining. So I think uh, the p- people are pretty concerned about that. I think uh, probably uh, some sort of uh, uh, immigration uh, is needed, but I think the Chinese actually uh, don't, 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 don't mm-hmm. want to expand in that area.
0: I've heard talk that China's some people are saying some economists are saying that China's entering a balance sheet recession this is what Japan went through um, wasn't it in the in the 1990s where people don't borrow money anymore because they're concerned about their house prices the outlook for economic growth so they're focusing on trying to reduce their debt is that what is that the problem now or are we do you both think we're in a balance sheet recession on the mainland
3: I think they're not necessarily a balance sheet recession but Certainly sentiment. Um, And so psychologically, that's the problem. Um, People need to feel more positive about the future. Um, I mean, one of the things I was reading over the weekend is there's an enormous amount of money tied up in mutual funds that are going to be um, released from their lock-up periods over the next couple of months. Um, And these have, because the stock market's performed so badly, um, the expectation is there's going to be an awful lot of outflows from these funds and from the stock market, and that's going to drag... Um, things down there, which is to some extent entirely out of the government's control. And it's just another one of the dampening effects that's going to come along. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, overall, if you compare China to um, Japan in terms of overall debt levels, I mean, China, I mean, could spend its way out. But I mean, as Alex says, I mean, it doesn't need more infrastructure. It doesn't need more property. Um, What it needs is a little more investment and innovation within its sort of domestic enterprises and a little more consumption um, from the population,
0: which requires positive sentiment. Mm. So it may be that we're going to have to get used to the fact that China's growth is slowing and the priority for the policymakers isn't trying to boost growth, it's trying to restructure the economy.
3: Yes. And I mean, the unemployment um, is probably the single biggest cause for concern, I would I would think. Mm. Um, needing to find jobs, I mean, find the population shrinking, but I mean, there's an awful lot of youth unemployed um, and they, that's a problem that needs to be solved, otherwise they become um, disillusioned um, and sort of disappointed and um, if they don't feel that they have a future, it becomes a bigger issue.
0: Okay, let me finally get your thoughts on a couple of features of the markets over the last week. Um, Alex, the first thing was this big um, uh, surge in the yield curve that we saw, the US Treasury yield curve. US yields all rose across the board but sort of the middle end, five, ten year, uh, rose far more than the two years. So that's helped the, the yield curve steepen by about uh, what 30 basis points or so over the last few days. What's that telling us? Is there a message there? I think the
2: market actually is still um, uh, waiting for a long, long, long every section. And <laughs> And probably, I think uh, they they would have it later on. I think, and 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 I think the, 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 the stock market actually uh, probably would be more polarized, because if you um, uh, those tech companies actually may have st- may still have more support because uh, they, 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 they they the price actually depends on the long-term outlook. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think uh, these th- those uh, traditional companies actually may be under pressures. So uh, I think the U.S. market generally um, probably already hit a short-term resistance and may correct a little bit uh, mm-hmm. for 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 those, especially uh, for those uh, traditional business, businesses.
0: Simon, so, mean, we've almost been waiting as long for a U.S. recession as we've been waiting for Chinese stimulus. <laughs> um, but uh, do you think that it, it was very noticeable what happened in the Treasury markets uh, last week? And some people say that um, you know they, they take the inverted yield curve as a recession signal, but other people say that's not enough. What you need is for it to invert uh, and then for it to go back steepening. Well, that's what we're seeing now. So is, is this a sign now that maybe finally uh, this sort of 14 months of interest rate rises are starting to impact the U.S. economy?
3: I mean, it will at some point, but everyone's just sort of wondering about the when. And, I mean, really all the pundits um, have been wrong in terms of how this year has panned out. Um, I mean, the stock market has done far better than expected. And I remember, I mean, just a few months ago, we were talking about how we re- we'd we reckoned the U.S. interest rates had already leveled off at that point.
2: Mm-hmm. And now
3: they're sort of going up again by expectation is another half percent, so another two um, Rate rises, and I mean, with the recession or the slowdown will come. I mean, unless we throw out all our economic textbooks, um, but when is is really a question that no one actually has an answer to. I mean, I see that most of the most of the analysts are forecasting that the S and P will end up at the end of the year lower than it is now, um, sort of either flat or lower. There's only a handful that are saying that it'll still continue to go up. Um, So people think the
0: peak is being reached, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, they would have said that back in January. Okay, finally, Alex, just one feature of the local market I wanted to ask you. This big fall in Chinese banks that we saw last week following the Goldman Sachs report downgrading three of them because of their exposure to the property market. It's quite unusual, isn't it, that you see the Chinese government actually specifically try and push back on an investment banks piece of research, which suggests they're rather, rather concerned um, uh, about it. But um, what's your thoughts on
2: the banks? I think the banks actually are always uh, a concern for investors because of its uh, asset quality. And right now, Goldman pointed out the uh, local government debt issues. So it's very difficult for those banks to rebound, I think. But the uh, government defendants uh, uh, saying uh, they are only suggesting that reshuffle shuffle within the sector, mm. So I think that is not helping. I think uh, people would still concerned about the asset quality. And if you want to buy into China actually, if you, right now, those consumer names would be more attractive because if, if China need to rebound, I think uh, they, those consumers would be those uh, would, be, would, be, would be better than the banks.
0: Okay, Simon, so um, it, it seems like uh, local government debts, that could well be one of the big focuses for the second half of the year.
3: Yes. Um, it's whether we have a sort of a, a tipping point, um, whether there's going to be a trigger with any particular province or local government that stumbles, whether the whether Beijing has to step in and actually sort of backstop a run on any bank. um we'll have to wait and see. Um, Certainly, I think from the Goldman report, fine, they're looking at the fundamentals and the actual data from the banks. And they're going, well, hey, if we compare this to any other Western bank, um, yes, it's it's, it's a sell. Um, We can put our money elsewhere. But I mean, realistically, I don't think any of the Chinese banks are uh, going to be allowed to fail or struggle. They've got a lot of debt that they need to sort through. uh, But I mean, they've had that for a number of years now.
0: Okay, well, thank you both very much. Great to hear your thoughts. Have a good week ahead. That's Simon Kavanagh, who is partner at BDA Partners. Alex Wong, director of Alex K Y Wong Asset Management. I'm joined now by Shanghai-based independent economist Andy Cher. Morning, Andy. Good morning, Peter. Um, Let me ask you first of all about Janet Yellen's four-day visit to uh, Beijing, designed to try and open at least some lines of communication between economic and financial officials um, and to stabilize the relationship between the US and China. Um, Do you think it was a success?
1: Uh, Didn't make much progress. Uh, Just the perception perception of talking – uh, trying to reassure the market i think that maybe there is a bit of positive effect from there but there is no no substance
0: Mm. I mean, she talked a lot about um, supply chain. She was trying to make the argument that diversifying supply chains is not the same as decoupling, that the two countries, you know, remain economically bound um, at the hip. Do you think that uh, that hit home? Do you think it's a sensible argument that it does make sense for countries to diversify their supply chains, but it doesn't mean that they're de-risking or decoupling?
1: Well, I think that uh, every, any country can do whatever it wants to do. and The U.S. can do whatever it wants to do. It's been talking about this for five years. Mm-hmm. So if it's not doing it, it means that it can't. So the, uh, I, I, I don't think that it will the Chinese government uh, about anything. I think the reality is that the, the U.S. is imposing more and more tech, in, uh, tech restrictions and uh, with the clearly stated goals of slowing China down.
0: You you think that is the case? Because they deny that, don't they? They say these these sanctions, these restrictions on the tech sector are very no, narrowly.
1: It's, it's now they, they, yeah, well, it's, it's, you look at the restriction on chips. It's clearly to uh, uh, initially was to target uh, a mobile phone, uh, uh, Huawei's mobile phone business. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, and uh, and it's uh, and the military does not need the small chips, okay. Mm, mm. And, the, uh, 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 the, uh, and then there, there's, uh, now they're talking about uh, uh, more restrictions on uh, AI chips, basically the chips made by NVIDIA, mm. uh, because they want to slow down AI, uh, AI development.
0: And we've got more.
1: That's clearly stated
0: yeah and we've got more coming haven't we we're going to have an investment ban yeah. uh, we're going to have um, maybe a ban on access Chinese companies accessing cloud cloud computing so it does sound yeah. like that this is having quite a big economic effect already on china
1: no it's not an economic effect it's really on the uh it's on uh, tech development uh, mm-hmm. because that uh, 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 uh AI research uh, does use a lot of cloud services
0: mm hmm mm-hmm. Well, what do you make of China's response that they announced last week to this, which was uh, to restrict the exports of certain minerals that are that are needed in semiconductors like gallium and, and germanium? Um, do you think that's significant?
1: Well, it's just uh, a, a, a kind of a, a, a symbolic gesture uh, to show that uh, China is willing to fight back. Mm. That uh, I think the U.S. Uh, thinks that because uh, uh, the U.S. buys from China, so uh, more a lot more from China, so China doesn't have uh, much bargaining power. So the China is trying to demonstrate that 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 uh, uh, it it can do something. So I assume that more will be done soon.
0: Mm-hmm. So it sounds like from what you're saying, I mean, foreign investors have been pulling out of the Chinese equity market and and waiting. One of the things they're hoping for is to see signs of an improvement in the geopolitical relations between uh, the two countries. But it sounds like from what you're saying, you don't think this is enough. It doesn't go far enough uh, to really change the overall direction things are moving in.
1: Well, I think it's not possible for significant improvement uh, because there are fundamental differences. China is developing its military because it it, it it believes that it needs a blue water navy to protect its trade and the ocean bound trade is multiple times of the of the u s and an anglo saxon uh, navy dominates the the, uh, the oceans like it has been for four hundred years and China cannot live uh, 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 live at the mercy of Anglo-Saxons, so uh, that that obviously the, the uh, China wants to develop a global a global navy capable of protecting trade.
0: So this means that um... then you,
1: then they, 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 uh, I think that uh, uh, yeah yeah then when the Anglo-Saxons want to accept that and uh, and uh, Beijing is still kind of struggling uh, 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 on why Anglo-Saxons are so vehemently opposed. I think that these, uh, the Beijing does not understand that uh, Anglo-Saxons' uh, 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 prosperity and uh, security originated with the naval dominance, and they still feel that way. So that, that is an existential challenge to, to Anglo-Saxons from their perspective. So I think Beijing still uh, does not understand that yet. So, so I think that this is the means that uh, fundamentally we are headed for some kind of a confrontation
0: you you think so? So this could be something like the South China Sea, maybe where, um, where... oh,
1: much greater, much greater. I think that they, and you look at how uh, the West screened about China's uh, military development, it was it started with Australia. It was way before uh, the the pandemic, and I think Australia, obviously as an uh, Anglo-Saxon country far away, uh, felt most vulnerable about an alternative uh, yes. uh, naval power. So, it's just like when Japan rose 100 years ago.
0: Mm. But this is. So, this...
1: so and, you know, they, they after Japan, well, the Russian Far East Fleet and uh, the, the US started developing this plan, so called Operation Orange, to defeat uh, Japan. It took 40 years to work out. There's no doubt something like this is happening now.
0: This is very different, isn't it, to really the, the, the West's last, or certainly the US's last set of trade disputes, which was with Japan in the 1980s. At that time, although Japan yeah, was a was, rising yeah, power economically and starting you know, to dominate trade, it never wanted to develop a big uh, yeah, navy or think, a military. I think
1: that people get uh, con- confused. No, it is, uh, Japan was never... Japan, uh, Japan was an occupied country and still is. So I think the economic dispute uh, was uh, uh, was significant, but uh, not, not like uh, what's going on with China today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the China uh, China is ten times the Japan size. It's, it's entirely different. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, the uh, I I I think that uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 Anglo Saxons want the world to stay this way, and to um, be managed by them. And uh, uh, security, guaranteed, uh, security guaranteed by them. So uh, China needs to operate within that framework. So uh, I, I, I don't see, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the uh, 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 Chinese didn't uh, uh, appreciate uh, 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 how this would, uh, how strongly Anglo Saxon would uh, react if they thought that the China thought that they uh China got a bigger, they got it must have more say in its neighborhood and it should have uh, a Taiwan back and uh the, the uh, obviously uh, without uh US backing Taiwan would we'll negotiate with Beijing for sure. Okay. Uh and uh, that issue will be settled peacefully. So they, so that that is kind of uh, they say we we're asking for this but I, did, uh, I think that the Beijing didn't understand that uh, 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 East Asia is the center of the global economy, and uh, Anglo-Saxon dominance uh, actually uh, is all about East Asia. Controlling this part of the world means controlling the whole world. So to them, this becomes a global struggle for global uh,
0: domination. Mm, So it sounds like then that the the key issues between the two countries remain unresolved and are are not going to get resolved based on what you say. Let let me ask you about um, the Ant Group, Fine. Um, the, the Chinese regulators have fined Ant Group nearly a billion dollars, but said now that uh, their, their three-year sort of crackdown, if you like, is is coming to an end, and that Ant is going to shift to more normalised supervision. Is what the uh, is what the regulators said. Is, is the tech crackdown now over? Uh, I,
1: I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I think that the government is trying to uh, make up uh, uh, private businesses feel more comfortable because they. They've been feeling very insecure for, for a bunch of years. Uh, and so uh, and, uh, the crackdown on, uh, on tech companies was kind of a symbolic on government's attitude towards private businesses. So there is a softening in tone. But in terms of uh, substance, I'm not sure. I think the tech companies with the scale and the reach are considered a threat to the political system so uh, so they need to be tamed uh, that means that they need to be become small so they, 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 i think they are uh, like uh, alibaba has uh, this plan of splitting uh, i i don't know uh, when it's going to happen but uh, for these companies the business model is based on reach you you make a little bit of money from everybody, and you have this reach. You can take. That's why you become very profitable. Mm. Uh, so uh, so it, it's it's reach is essential. Like uh, like just like uh, Google, like uh, uh, Amazon or, or Apple. It's uh, these companies uh, need to be uh, uh, profit uh, profit motive drives them to become very very big mm. to become monopolies essentially. And then they become threats to the political system, just like in the United States the United states now they they have a disproportionate influence over over public opinions and they actually regulate regulate public opinions mm. and for, for in the chinese context you, you that means that you're competing against the communist party mm. uh, that, that 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 is just no no I think the party has not figured out how to resolve this uh, Uh, This problem that uh, you want these tech companies to be strong, uh, uh, to be innovative, uh, but uh, also (coughs) they don't pose any, any threat to you. But these companies have
0: become smaller now, haven't they? Because as you say, Alibaba is splitting up into six. And if you look at the, uh, the, the share buyback that Ant is doing, it, it's valued now 70% less than what it was three years ago at the time of the IPO. So that they have become smaller, haven't they? But can they still thrive now in this new environment? No,
1: in terms of valuation has come down.
0: But in terms of
1: the business reach, I'm not sure yet. Mm. You 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 look at uh, uh, you know everybody use, uses uh, 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 Ali's, uh, 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 uh this payment system and also the online shopping system the platform uh, uh, so it, it has this enormous access to da- uh, data and uh, you know social data in the hand in the private hands uh, are basically uh, uh, not acceptable to, to, to the political system.
0: Let me, let me ask you quickly before you go about the economy. Um, we're at the end of the first half now. We're going to get, uh, GDP data for the first half of the year in about 10 days time. Also, investors still waiting for some stimulus from the, the government. The Politburo now is meeting later this month. So investors hoping that they might see something, uh, from, from that. Are, are you hopeful that we might see some sort of action, uh, from the Chinese government to back up the words on the economy? No, I
1: don't think so. I think that, uh, no, but the government will talk about a stimulus uh, to give people hope and sometimes to uh, make a, a gesture like a cutting interest rate by 10 basis points. Uh, and uh, and the, the reality is that uh, uh, Chinese economy has accumulated uh, lots of excesses over the past 10 years, mainly for political reasons. Uh, you know, Before the last party congress, Uh, I think the government had a reason to uh, stimulate to keep it going uh, until uh, the political uh, transition completed. It took 10 years to complete the political transition. And from the previous era, uh, completed completed to a new era, now that transition has uh, occurred. So the political incentive for keeping it going, regardless of the cost, is gone. And uh, the, then, then we have uh, the problems uh, uh, that, are, uh, that, are, uh, that have accumulated are so big, like the property sector, uh, to peak at uh, 10 billion square meters under construction. Now, in the last two years, it's shrunk by a little, uh, about 10 percent. So it's got a long way to go. So there's no way that the government wants to stimulate the proper, uh, property sector and make it bigger again. Then you create a bigger problem for, you, for yourself down the road. So I don't see why they would be doing that. Now if they they let the property market adjust that means the economy will struggle for, for, for a number of years to come. So uh, that's, a, that's a reality.
0: Okay, well, it's interesting to hear your thoughts as always, Andy. Thank you very much indeed for that. That's Andy Sher, who is a Shanghai-based independent economist. And thank you very much for listening this morning. If you want more information on any of the stories we've discussed today, please take a look at my daily newsletter, which you'll find at Peter Lewis peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Tomorrow on the show... I'll be joined by Asian fund management industry consultant Stuart Aldcroft, James Wong, Chief Executive Officer at Cathasia Securities, and our US economics correspondent, writer, and broadcaster Barry Wood. See you tomorrow. Money Talk.